Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of God Built This Podcast. I'm your host, Maxine, and we're on episode 95. Five more episodes until the big one, zero, zero. Can you believe it? I'll be um, 100 episodes deep, five episodes from, from now. So that's amazing. That's exciting. Look what consistency and discipline does. I just love doing this. This is a passion of mine, and um, I'm hoping to make this more of a, um, more than a hobby, but more of a career path. So whatever God has in store, I'm ready. But I believe that this is something that um, I'm supposed to be doing, and this is setting me up for whatever is in the field or whatever is next. But I, I know it's within this realm of talking, sharing my opinions, just being that truth teller that I am. So uh, before I get into some personal updates, well, I feel like me even saying personal update makes me feel like I'm giving y'all a, a, a teaser and I'm not into that. Let's just get straight into it. Okay. So I'm only going to spend like just a few minutes on Church Bay just because I, I spent enough on him. And it's funny because I spent a lot of time on Boston Bay, huh? And did not... <laughs> Did not give him a limit, but with church, but I just don't feel like spending much time on him anymore. It's done. Uh, so I think about, okay, so let's talk about from where we left off to the, the little update. Okay. So what did I say last time? I was just like how we had a whole dragged conversation via text and via text only, even though I've requested numerous times for us to discuss what we're discussing. Um, over the phone instead of the text, but instead he he continues to text me these long ass soliloquies, and so um, the the last thing I said to him was just pretty much, you know, I don't deserve someone who is a, a scary ass nigga. Basically, like I need someone who is who knows, you know, who is very sure <laughs> of me and of us, and not know weird ass wispy ass. I don't know. I got to wait for God to tell me. First of all, not to sound blasphemous, but since when was God in our relationship? <laughs> Let's start there. Tell me when God was invited. Because <laughs> I don't know. Look, I'm not saying he was not invited, but it's like this whole sudden religious route that he's taking or spiritual route that he's taking with us is just like, oh, I didn't know we were doing that. I mean, I'm not against it, but um, he, he would say things like he's praying for me. I remember when I told him my cousin passed away a couple of months ago, he was saying he's going to continue to pray for me because he prays for me every day, according to, according to what he said. And so like, I knew stuff like that, but like, I just didn't think... He needed more of a sign or more of assurance or whatever it was. And I just feel like, look, you know, you know, you know, like there's no, I feel like God is a, a is an easy scapegoat that people could use instead of just saying he, it has nothing to do with God. It honestly has everything to do with me, you know, like, and a lot of times Christians are so defined by them being a worshiper that they don't know who they are outside of worship. And I'm not saying it has to be an outside thing. I just feel like 
you have to like you're a complex being we're all complex beings and so you need to recognize that and honor the the complexity of who you are you're not just a worshiper you're also a, a painter you're a, a talker you're a, a a mediator you're someone who's hard working like there's so many facets of who you are that when you limit yourself to a worshiper it's just like okay nigga do you know who you are like if if you didn't have a church to go to if you didn't have a, a church home or a praise and worship service to go to every Sunday, who are you? You know, like if I were to ask you to name five things you like about yourself and you're just like, I don't know. I just love worshiping. It's like, I stop. Like, and I don't think that's what God wants for you either. I think we just been so conditioned to believe that our humanity is unimportant. I'll just kill something. Okay. Sorry. These flies. I have a, a beautiful plant in my room and it's a massacane. Look at that. Look that up. But it's a beautiful plant. It's low maintenance. I feed it once a week. And since I've had this plant, I've been seeing these little fruit flies. Just, hi, <laughs> we live here too. And I'm ready for them to go home. So I'm just trying to figure out what I need to do to get rid of them. But every few moments, I'm quickly tapping something against the wall because it's another fruit plant, fruit fly. Anyway, so yeah, like I just feel like, you know, if you can't name five things that you like about yourself, five things that you like to do, and it's only tied around your identity and worshiping, then that's a problem for me. And I think that's a problem for God too. Like, you know, we are so conditioned to believe that our humanity is null and void. Our humanity is unimportant and it's evil. And we should only be in our spiritual bag. And that's not fair. And I don't think that's right. And I don't think that's how God wants us to see ourselves. We are, we are spiritual beings. Yes. Yeah. And we are in a, a flesh body. You know, we are in a human body. We are a flesh, you know, we're in spirit, we're, we're spirits in a human body. So all of that needs to be recognized. So that's why it's important to honor your mind, body, and soul, um, and spirit, if you want to say that too, but all of that comes into the fruition of who you are. So basically, you know, when he was just saying how, you know, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know. It just, it, it confirmed for me that he doesn't know who he is. He doesn't know who he is, period. And I'm not here to make you realize who you are. Figure that shit out before you get to know me. Figure that shit out before I come into your life. Be sure of who you are. Um, so, yes, I was just thinking, you know, that's a cop out because ultimately what he did say to me after that point or around that point was that he's not in a position to love verbatim. That's what he said, because he is um, he's not someone who. Like he doesn't really love his family like that. He doesn't really love his friends like that. And he doesn't really love his friends himself like that. That's what he said to me. So I'm like, nigga, what? <laughs> Are you okay? Please let me call Iyanla Van Zandt because what the hell is wrong with you? Why don't you love yourself? It's one thing, it's one thing to not love people. 
right? Because people, you know, disappoint you, let you down, discourage you, don't show up, you know, all these negative things that people could say about people. That's real. And I get that. And I get the fear in loving someone else. Um, but I, as I'm growing more in my journey in myself, I'm realizing oftentimes when we say things like people disappoint me, or I hate people, I can't stand, it's really a reflection of how you are and how you see yourself and how you recognize love in your own self. You know, are you um, tolerating people who don't show up for you? Are you making space for people who for people to show up for you? Are you closed off because you've been hurt? Because there's been people in the past who's discouraged you and been negative towards you? You know, there's a lot of responsibility that we take and we um, create in our own relationships that we don't see um, unless we do the work within ourselves. So that's something that I'm learning more as I'm growing more in my journey of self-love and self-care that, you know, our relationships um, are what we make it to be. And yes, there are people out there who are vampires who will take and suck your blood and they see you, uh, they see you as, and you are a good spirit, right? You have these, uh, these strong, positive energies around you and good vibes, positive vibes, but there are people who are quick to leech onto that and to suck that. And that's their target. You're a target for that. So I get that. And there are people who are loving. There are people who are supportive. There are people who can be a quality fixture in your life. So it's, it's really how you see it. So yeah. So when he finally told me that he was not in a position to love and that he doesn't really love himself, his friends, his family, like that was enough for me. That, that just made me realize, okay, that's it right there. It's not no, you waiting you waiting on a star from God. It's not no, God hasn't told you yet and you have to wait on the 18th day. No, no, no. It has nothing to do with that. It's simply you are not healed enough to be open and to be reciprocal of love. And so you're, that's it. That's really, that's it. That's it. <laughs> it has nothing to do with God. That's really the sign. And if you were in tune with yourself, you just you would just say that from the from the jump. Like, hey, you wouldn't even bring God into it. You know, God is welcome. Don't get me wrong, but you wouldn't even use God as an excuse. You know, I don't know the path I should take. What are you talking about? Just say you're not ready to love. Just say you're dealing with hella insecurities. Just say that you don't know your shit. Okay, G good. Thank you. I love the self-awareness, you know? So yeah, so that's where we left last left off. Uh, a few days later, so I want to say three days because we didn't speak from the the, the last time he, he texted me for three days. And he texted me in the morning talking about, hey, Maxine, um, I just first want to apologize for not calling you. I'm not big on talking. So that right there, I'm just like, Ugh what? This is, this is, this is a sign that God is showing me. I know you were looking for a sign from God, but this is what God is showing me. This is my sign from God because I don't want someone who's not big on talking. I literally have a podcast. I'm not saying I got to talk to you every single hour of the day. I like silence. You know, I like to be silent. I like my silent times. 
but I like communication. I like to know what the fuck is going on. I like to know if you are still in it with me, you know? And so to first say I'm not big on talking as if that's an acceptable reason and thanks for the apology for not calling me, even though you are still not calling me, you just sent me a text. Fuck you. Like, <laughs> I just, this is the, ch- the childish shit I'm talking about. And it's just, it's just so funny to me because I think about how I, I noticed way before that this person, that church bay was just not someone who I wanted to be with. Um, and I, I did, I said that to myself because I felt a disconnect between us. Yes. He's a nice guy. Yes. You know, he makes me laugh and he affirms me at least enough. And so that was my green light to go ahead and go through with this situation, go through with it. And see, the fact I'm describing like that is a sign too. But that was my mindset. And so I'm thinking, you know, maybe I'm sabotaging myself. Maybe I'm just, you know, shortchanging myself. I am ready for love. I could do this. I could do this, you know? And so I gave it a go, even though I broke it off twice before, I gave it a go for the third time, really committed to, uh, committed to showing myself that I can emotionally feel for someone long term, that I can commit to this, and that I can choose to fall in love or rise in love with someone. And so that was all intentional for me. And honestly, I think it was just maybe it was a selfish thing on my end. Maybe I just wanted to do it for myself to see if I could do it. Um, but ultimately, I knew that. He was not someone I wanted to be with long term because there was such a disconnect mentally, spiritually and emotionally, you know, just going off of the fact that he chose to text me for that whole week rather than picking up the phone and calling me, you know, just for the fact that he ghosted me and I had to uh, to finally hunt him down for him to finally respond just for the fact that when I finally did. his response was still unclear and just kind of scary. Like he didn't want to say what he wanted to say. I felt like he was trying to, um, you know, he was trying to be mysterious. And I remember before that whole conversation happened, he was trying to start an argument with me. And I think men do that to get you to break it off with them rather than them just saying, hey, I can't do this anymore because of X, Y, and Z, you know? Um, so it's all of these things just recently that I realized that, and it's just, it's just this, this lack of, um, go-getter mentality that I see from him. He has excuses from the get-go. There's always an obstacle that he's always going to talk about this rather than a solution. And as you guys know, I'm a solution oriented person. So when you come across someone who's consistently complaining, consistently finding excuses, consistently talking about obstacles, I'm just left feeling drained. Like, I don't want to have to convince you all the time of affirmations. Like, I need to be poured into as well. I need someone who knows how to um, encourage me and not just encourage me, but like, I want to see it in you. I want to see how you encourage yourself. And if I'm noticing several different ways that you're not doing that, it's disappointing. And I didn't like his eating habits. I didn't like how he didn't take care of his body enough. I'm not saying he's a fat slob, but he's too damn skinny for me. So it was just all of these things. Like, why don't you go to the gym? (laughs) 
what? Like, what? Why don't you go to the gym? Why don't you lift some weights? And it's one thing to be like, I've tried that. Because he did that one time. He said that to me. And he's like, and I'm just like, well, did you though? Like, did you really though? Because there was a guy who I, um, there's a guy who I'm friends with. And we grew up together. He's super, he was super skinny when we were growing up. Super skinny. And I was super skinny too. Like, we were all skinny. And, but that was just acceptable because we were young. We were youth, you know, youth age. Growing up, him getting older, he's like, you know, there are people who are naturally thin and there are people who are naturally big bone. I know that people say that's not a real term, but it's real. Like people who, there are people who are naturally big bone. I'm not saying fat. I'm just saying just naturally thick and curvaceous. And so with this guy, with this friend of mine who I grew up with, he, um, when he got older, you know, as we both got older, because we're, we're around the same age, he was really taking care of himself physically. He was eating the right things to gain the proper weight that he wanted to gain, to gain the muscle weight that he wanted to gain. And he was consistently going to the gym to complete that goal. And he did. And he is. He is not this little thin ass motherfucker. He is built, built enough. And it doesn't look weird. Like it works well with his body type. And so I've seen it. I've seen it done. You know, I've seen it done. So when I look at Church Bay and I see him still skinny and I'm just like, what are you doing though? Are you, uh, do you have a gym membership? Do you have an app that tells you how to do a push-up? Because what is it that you're doing? Because you're not doing anything. So I want to know what you're doing. What are you doing? What? What the fuck are you doing? You know, so it's frustrating when I have to tell you how to be a man. I have to essentially raise you, you know? You eat McDonald's every night. Look, McDonald's is cool. I like McDonald's too. But where's the protein? Don't you want to gain weight? McDonald's is not going to be the way to do that consistently. There's some bomb, he's Haitian. So there's some bomb Haitian food that you could eat consistently that will give you the pounds that you need. And when you work out, you could assort those pounds accordingly so it looks good for your body type. You know, you could um, push those pounds in, in a way, you know, when you're working out, you focus on a particular muscle group. And so you'll build that muscle with that weight gain. For, like, I know what the fuck I'm talking about. Trust. I know what I'm talking about. So when he continues to give me excuse after excuse for why he's not working out or why he's not gaining weight, it's like, but did you try though? Did you try? I remember one time I was like, you know, um, you know, why don't you go to the gym? Oh, um, me and my boys are deciding on which gym, which gym to attend. What? Why is this a decision that you have? Why is this like this big old, just, just pick a fucking gym. It's <laughs> not that deep, you know, pick a gym, pick a gym. Um, oh, so I don't know how to, I remember one time I was like, oh, have you like looked into, you know, the things that you would need to do to help you, uh, you know, reach and accomplish that weight gain, that physical gain, that health gain. And he's like, cause I, I, he's like, he doesn't really, um, like he, he hasn't really done that. He hasn't come across a trainer who knows what he's doing or whatever it is. And I remember he was saying how his friend, I'm like, okay. So when you're going, cause he works out with his friends or when he does work out, um, and workouts to him is just like playing ball. 
So really, what, what are we doing? Um, I, I would say, you know, why don't you, you know, just kind of talk to your friends. Like, I'm sure your friends uh, have gained weight. <laughs> like, I'm sure they have gained weight and eaten properly or didn't did something to accomplish a, a weight gain goal. And he shot that down like, no, well, you know, I, I, they're not certified. They don't they don't know. Or <laughs> there is it works for their body type, not mine. It's like, but have you what have you tried? You tell me all things that you didn't do. What have you done? What have you tried? What is it that you're doing to get there? Okay, you may not trust your friend because you don't love your friends, apparently, <laughs> but what are you doing? And he was just like, he doesn't like the whole trial and error type of way of doing things. That's fucking life. Some things you do, you realize, oh, this doesn't work for me. Oh, this does. Oh, this doesn't like skincare routine. Women, we are consistently trying new products, seeing which one is better for my skin type, for my for my dry skin, for my oily skin, for my combination skin. It's all a trial and error. It doesn't mean that you're you're at fault for reaching that error when you do the trial and error. This is literally a part of the process, nigga. So it was just literally all these excuses. So yeah, I'm saying all these to say that I knew it wasn't going to work out. And yet, like I subconsciously knew and I consciously knew, but I still tried to convince myself that no, I'm going to make it work because he's a good guy. He's kind. He's affirming. He's compassionate. You know, I like those things about him. And those are the traits that I wanted from previous guys, you know, from Boston Bay, from other guys. And so when I finally found that in Church Bay, I was thinking, okay, that's, this is great. This is good. We could work on these things. You know, maybe I could help him out with things that he need help with. And then ultimately, how far was it going to work from Boston to to, to Houston? I just, look, I, I feel like if we wanted to work, we could have made it work. Um, at first he was saying, during our whole week-long conversation through text, he was also sharing his, uh, just his little questions or doubts around how is it going to work being that we're long distance. And I was, you know, as solution-oriented as I am, I was giving out um, different areas of solution that we could work on. Like, okay, well, you could fly out here once every two months or once a month, whatever works, you know, we could you know, um, put down money together to, to this flight, you know, or, you know, get a hotel and Airbnb together, you know, stuff like I was making options available for us to choose from. And so he was still just, just not really on board, just kind of weird about it. And I think ultimately you can make anything work regardless if it's long distance or not. I don't think a long distance is really an excuse, but I think about, um, do I really want that? You know, like I think about that just personally, like, do I really want my nigga to always be in another state? And no, I don't. I I would like the convenience. I'm sure people who are in long distance relationships will like the convenience of, being closer to their partner. Um, so I just, I was still going to make it work because I felt like 
you know, he's he has he has all these other traits that I wanted in a partner, that I want in a partner, but it's not enough that outweighs the other things that I just am not on board with. I'm not gonna raise a man. So yeah, so he started out the conversation talking about he apologized for not calling and he still didn't call. He still sent a text. He's like, I'm just sending this text to say that I thought about, you know, what you said about, you know. What what I say? I was like the whole you don't know you know is it better to love and lost than to not love at all? And he was like how he doesn't want to like give up on us uh, essentially b- because he's he's unsure and he doesn't feel like that's a good excuse to to leave this situation and that he's interested in um pursuing me he's like i would still like to pursue you and i know it's tuesday three days from um the last time we spoke but i would still like to pursue you um but if you don't then i understand and i never responded i never responded and i'm not going to respond it's been a week yeah it's been a week about to be a week um since that last text and i'm just i'm done i'm done and i'm not gonna respond because Yet again, you are only texting me. Yet again, it's the same old situation. Yet again, I've said to call me, you still haven't. So like, if you really, I just feel like he's a scary nigga. Like he's just not a man, not like, all right, girl, like I'm coming over, like type of nigga. Like I want a nigga And I want someone who's kind and compassionate. You know, I want that to be gelled into one person. And I don't get that from Church Bay. So when he sent me that, I literally just rolled my eyes. I'm just like, here we go with this scary ass shit. Like, I don't want that whole flimsy shit. Like, and then you might think, well, Maxine, you, you broke it off with him. Yeah, 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 yeah. I did. I did. I broke it off with him three times. Well, twice. Um, The point Three times, actually. Yeah, three times. The point is, the difference with how I broke it off with him previously, I've communicated it specifically. I said exactly why I'm done. And the reasons why I was done were, um, hey, I just don't feel the chemistry more than friends. And then the second time I was like, look, there's a mental disconnect between us. Like, you have a negative mindset and all these other things I just didn't like about him on a personality note that I just couldn't mesh with. Like some things are just embedded into who a person is core wise. So that was the second reason why I broke it off. The third reason why I think it was the same reasons, but the point is I've communicated every time and I've made it clear and with him, instead of making it clear with me, he decided to ghost because he wanted to go on this damn sabbatical. When it's like, okay, cool, you want to, you know, ask God for clarity, but let me know that you're doing that so I know what the fuck is going on. Don't just leave me on read or delivered or text message sent. <laughs> like, what the fuck is going on? So when he said that, I just want my eyes because I just, I was already done. I already washed my hands. You know, I said what I said when I said, I don't want a scary nigga. And I feel like that's okay, cool. He wants to actually make it work now. I don't feel secure in that because I feel like if it was that easy for you to just up and ghost me, um, I don't want to feel comfortable enough with you again for you to do that again. You know, and I, I feel like 
you haven't reached a level of maturity for me to feel comfortable with you communicating consistently and keeping me aware of the change rather than my intuition and my clear satiant self realizing there's a shift. Let me go ahead and ask him what's going on that it took for that to happen for you to tell me what's going on. And that's not okay. And that's not fair to me. You know, communication is necessary. Um, and his way of communicating is just, is another red flag is another deal breaker for me. And hearing that you're not in a position, all these other reasons is just, it's enough for me to say, thank you next. Shout out to Ariana Grande. Thank you, next. Thank you, next. Thank you because throughout the situation, our relationship, I showed myself what I needed to see from myself. I showed myself that I am capable of loving. I am capable of committing myself emotionally to someone. I am capable of making that work. And I can fall in love with someone. I can get there. And thank you. Thank you for showing me that I can. Thank you for this experience. And now next, now to the new nigga, now to the new nigga who will be ready for love, who will be in a position to grow with me, who would be in a space and a mindset that matches mine. And, you know, there'll be more similarities and don't get me wrong. I'm sure there will be areas of growth that we will encounter when we're, when we're together for, you know, I'm talking about the new nigga, you know, my upcoming future nigga. Um, but I know that it will be a progression. You know, I'm not, I'm not going to go backwards. I'm not going to uh, try to make it work again. I feel like all of this is definitely divine. And I needed to see, this needed to end. This needed to end ultimately. So yeah, it's just, you know, I just feel like at, at some point, you got to just realize what the fuck is going on. And you got to be communicative. You got to say that. And you got to take, in the reasons why it didn't work out before is the same reasons why. And it just further affirms and confirms for me that he's just not where I need my man to be. So thank you. Next. Okay. Um, so when I, I came across, you know, we all came across the news of Cardi B divorcing offsets. She filed for divorce and, she is alleging that it's not because he cheated on her and he has a baby on the way, according to what rumors are saying yet again. Uh, it's just they've been consistently arguing. Now, we don't know over what. We don't know over what it could be. I'm sure it could be because of his cheating ass. <laughs> but it's just simply they've been arguing so much that she's tired of having to just go through that energy of arguing with someone. And that was enough for her to walk away. And, you know, I've said before, I am all for normalizing divorce. <laughs> Doesn't mean that I want to experience a divorce. Doesn't mean that. But I would rather experience and go through with a divorce than feel stuck in a marriage, then feel like I have no other option, then feel trapped. And like, I just don't want that. So uh, divorce is definitely better. And I think we should normalize that. So when I think about her divorcing offset, I was just realizing that there, there was a moment when she said, I think it was in a previous, uh, like a while ago, an interview that she had. And she said, 
her her dating pool is limited and she can't leave offset because who else who's she gonna date that's that's what she said verbatim and i think her actually making this step to divorce him says a lot that she's not maybe she does still feel like who she's gonna date you know this limited dating pool mindset of hers but that's not enough for her to stay in a marriage that is not serving her. So I, I was I was just remembering that that um response from Cardi B. And I was just thinking about it in my own life. Like, you know, I, I just I'm not like I'm a rapper, you know, a millionaire. I'm in the industry. No, I'm not in any of those spaces. But even in, you know, everyday folk, I don't come across enough men who captivates me. I don't come across enough men who are matching my energy when it comes to just mental stimulation. I need someone who knows how to carry a conversation, who knows how to think and be curious and just be an intellectual. And, you know, I think oftentimes when we say that people think, oh, you want a nerd. I want a whole being. I don't want you to just be this super great conversationalist. I want you to still be a nigga. You know, I, I want you to still be a, to be assertive when you need to be. I want you to still be mature and just hold all these different hats. And I don't think that's asking for too much. I don't. And so I'm just thinking about like, damn, you know, <laughs> there's uh there's like bits and pieces in someone who you may like. And it's like, okay, cool. You have this, you have that, but then damn, you have all of this. And damn, I don't know if I can look past that. And then like all of these other things that doesn't make it enough for me to stay. So I think about, you know, myself and I just feel like, mm, is my dating pool low or limited? Is, is my, is my access or, you know, is my standards too high? I don't think so. But I just, I'm bored. That's what it is. I'm bored. And it's more so because said person is just dumb. And that's not me trying to be mean. It's not, it's just, there are just people who are just dumb. Like they just, they only stand in this intellectual range and the range is limited. So there's no further conversation that we could have. There's no, there's no progress in our thinking. There's just this conditioned mindset. And that is something that I just can't fuck with. I remember having a conversation with Church Bay and he was saying how he doesn't believe in voodoo. He's, <laughs> he doesn't believe it's real. He doesn't really um, subscribe to it. And it's one thing to not practice voodoo, right? Because this is naturally when people stay voodoo, a lot of people have this negative evil demonic impression of it and i understand that because there's these images and this um media that sensationalize uh, a negativity around voodoo but when you look past that right because at the end of the day you could use anything for good and evil okay slave masters use the bible for evil to justify their enslavement to justify beating and treating their um fellow black men and women as chattel, as property, okay? So the Bible was used in a 
negative light from our um from our ancestors slave masters with voodoo it's the same process you could use it for positive or negative with any type of uh, spiritual practice you could use it for positive or negative negative and so i was explaining that to him and i was saying how you know voodoo is not just about like it's all it's dimensional it's not just about cutting off chicken heads <laughs> And you know, praying over a nigga who did you wrong. No, no, no. Like it's it's not. I mean, it could be about that, right? <laughs> if you want to talk, let's talk. It could be. Fuck. <laughs> Get me a chicken right now. I'm kidding. But I mean, sure, it could be. You know, but it's not only that. There's so many different facets to voodoo, and people don't recognize that, and people are quick to judge it and just dismiss it. Like, no, it's only evil. It's only evil. And it's just, that's the impression that Church Bay was giving me when we was having this conversation. And it was just like, are you dumb? Like, are you, like, there's just this mindset that he's just staying in, you know, this mindset of being raised in the church and being a Christian and being indoctrinated to a religion that is westernized and you are now bashing your own indigenous practices. Like, I don't want my man to be that dumb. Like, I don't want him to be, to be told what to think for, you know, as long as he was when he was younger and to not have grown from that thinking and to not explore other avenues. I want my man to explore, go swimming, go check out the world, go talk to people with different backgrounds, different experiences. And with Church Bay, he has that limited experience, that limited background, that limited exposure to different kinds of people and different kinds of experiences. So I had to teach him yet again. <laughs> hey, voodoo's not all about that evil shit that you are familiar or that you were told. Um, it's actually just about being in tune with your body. It's actually just about it's just about being in tune with nature and using holistic and herbal remedies. Like it's literally just that too. Like it's also that you know. So again, you could use anything for good. You could use anything for evil. So me having to say that to him, that was just an example of how this limited conversation that we have because his limited mindset on something and me having to open his mind on that. And I don't feel like he, I mean, he was like, oh, really? I didn't know that. Wow, wow, wow. Like there wasn't enough um, carry from him for that conversation because he doesn't know what questions to then ask. He doesn't really know how to process, you know, it's hard. And I, I have sympathy for that too, because it's hard to be told one way of thinking, one way of believing something, and then suddenly be told, actually, that's not the only way. Actually, there's different ways you could go about this. Actually, you should question the Bible too. Like, <laughs> I feel like I'm blowing up his world. And there's, there's sympathy that I have for that because, you know, you live in a world that, was made up in, I don't want to say lies. I don't want to say, <laughs> I just want to say it, it was, it, it was made up in decolonize, in, well, in colonization. And when you get to a point where you realize, oh, I need to decolonize my thinking. I need to decolonize my worship style. <laughs> I need to decolonize my relationships 
my my work ethic, this whole grind culture, that's colonization. That's being embedded into us because slave masters would beat and whoop their slaves, their enslaved folk, because they weren't working fast enough, hard enough. They weren't sweating enough. And that energy remains in many people to this day because they feel like, oh, I'm not, I can't nap today. If I nap, then I won't get the job done. Or if I nap, I won't be a step ahead. Here's the thing. I don't fall victim. And I want to say victim purposely because I don't fall victim to the to the mindset of, oh, you're a black person. You got you got to work twice as hard than your white counterpart. You have to work endlessly. You can't sleep. And I talked about this here before, how when Steve Harvey was talking about, you want to be successful, you want to get rich, you shouldn't be sleeping eight hours a day. You shouldn't be sleeping 10 hours a day. Huh? Niggas... You got to go to sleep. You do have to sleep. Yeah, yeah, you do. Yeah, you do. What you need to do, though, is structure your time so when you are awake, you are accomplishing said goals or you are accomplishing many goals to reach your bigger goal. So when you don't give yourself time to rest, you're abusing yourself. We're continuing this mindset, continuing this, this energy that our ancestors, slave masters, were putting upon our enslaved ancestors. And we're doing that to ourselves willingly. We could stop. Things could get better. Hey, let me let you in on the secret. You don't have to work twice as hard. No, 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 you don't. And I understand there are a lot of white people in high positions who are not deserving of that because this could have been a better option. This could have been something that a white person could have um, just could have lazily got. And I get that, but I also feel like what's for you is for you. And you don't need to necessarily get um, get any special treatment because, oh, you work twice as hard or, oh, X, Y, and Z. I don't think that's fair. So when I think about that whole mindset of being a Black person and working twice as hard, no, we need to move forward from that conversation and we need to just do better. So anyway, so anyway, I was thinking that and I felt like, you know, I think we need to just decolonize our shit more. It's a lot of decolonization that we have to do, that we have to be aware of, and that we should question. We should get to a point in our life where we are questioning what we are doing, what we have been doing. You know, are you just going to church because that's just the thing to do? right? Because your parents raised you in the church. Like, do you really feel like you need to be here? Do you have questions? Do you want to worship in a different way? Like, what is it that you could do to get to a place of progression ultimately? So yeah, so with him, I was just feeling like, you know, limited, limited, limited. Uh, There's this, what's his name? Andrew Gillum. Yeah. So Andrew Gillum, is I honestly don't know what he is. He's a politician, but he is specifically a governor or something. But there was a there was a little uh what is it? A little controversy when he was found drugged up in a hotel with two gay white men. And the controversy is 
you know, he, he's doing drugs. He, he's a politician. And he's actually a married man to a woman, to, to his wife. And it's shown to us that he is interested, attracted to, whether it's gay or bisexuality, he is into men. There, he decided to have an interview with Tamron Hall and share publicly he doesn't identify or describe himself as a gay man. Instead, he identifies himself as a uh, a bisexual man. And the conversation the conversation opens up to now do you know is that something that a wife should be okay with? Can a heterosexual marriage survive with a partner who is bisexual? Um Apparently, the wife says that she knew that he was bisexual, that he is bisexual before this controversy came out, and she still loves him, and they still have a marriage, and I I think she actually agreed that, not agreed, but like, I think she actually affirms that, so they may, no, I'm hearing that from somebody else, never mind, but that's all she said, actually, that's all she said. And it seemed like, okay, she's still standing by her nigga. I think about, (laughs) could it be me? (laughs) I don't think that could be me. Um, And I, I feel like, you know, there's this hesitation to even say that because nowadays, if you say something like that, you're a homophobe you are homophobic, you are a hater, you want gay people to burn it, like, no, nigga, I just don't want to be with a bisexual man, that's it, uh, but the conversation moves into, well, where is that rooted, that's rooted in homophobia, no, I'm going to say it again, I'm gonna do it slower, I don't, I just don't want to be with a bisexual man, I don't, but I also say that because I don't see the the room for that I don't because I don't also want to make space I don't want to make space for that ultimately you're if you're married to me right we are in a you're a man and we are in a heterosexual like obviously we're in a hetero I'm a man you're a woman we're in a heterosexual relationship marriage okay what then happens to that bisexuality of yours what then happens to that desire that you have or attraction that you have to the same sex does it just suppress and go away does it is it, is it a dream deferred <laughs> what 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 happens to that you know does it just, where does it go so i think ultimately when something is suppressed for too long there will be a release of it there will be there'll be an outbreak <laughs> and that will result into you cheating on me with a man and ultimately I would say embarrassing me. All cheating is embarrassing, but there's another level, and that's just what it is. Not to be homophobic, it's just another level of embarrassment when your mate cheats on you with the same sex. It just makes you feel like, damn, girl, like there's really no way of fixing it. Because, and I'm saying that because there's no, you know, when, uh, you know, a nigga cheats on you with a woman, sometimes it could be because, oh, he just can't you know, control his dick in his pants, right? He's just, you know, he's just out there. Or, oh, you know, this bad bitch came across him, fat ass. Or maybe, oh, you wasn't giving him what he needed sexually in the bedroom. You know, maybe you wasn't having enough sex with him and 
he just wanted to go elsewhere to find it. Right. But the person that he's finding it with is someone of the same gender, of the same sex. And I'm not saying gender sex is the same thing, but I'm just saying both is of the same thing of me. Right. So there's this level of, okay, it has nothing to do with me physically, sexually, gender wise. Instead, it's just we need to work on these other things. You know, we need to work on your outlet style. You know, how do you go about coping when you're frustrated? Let's not have sex with other people. <laughs> Let's talk about it. Let's go to therapy, all these things. But when a partner cheats on you with the same sex, it, it just leaves out the possibility to work it out because ultimately you're still going to be attracted to that sex and you're still going to eventually fall back into that. And I just don't see a space for that to work unless you are intentional, you are making space for that person to explore, whether it's a once every weekend type of thing or in the bedroom altogether type of thing. I'm just not there. And I, I think that's okay to feel and to say, you know, living in this world, we have to be okay with everything. No, I could not be okay with something that's for me. You could be okay with that, right? You could have all the love that you want um with a a bisexual man that's if that's your if that's your boat that's great for you for me no for me no so you know i'm just tired of this politically correctness that we are living in right now and i'm ready for us to get back to the to the rough shit <laughs> like i'm ready for us to move forward from this pc culture but move forward into a space where we're still respectful to each other. We're still um, recognizing consent is necessary. And we're still being honest and not judged or made to feel silly for our own personal choices. So I just, it just not, it's not going to be for me. That's going to be a no for me. Uh, <laughs> and, I, but I also think about, you know, same thing for the woman, you know, if you're a man, a heterosexual man, and you're with a, a woman who is bisexual, <laughs> you know, where does that work? You know, are you leaving space for that? You know, this, there's this, there's this acceptance that people have towards bisexual women and they make them feel like, oh, well, cool. You know, we could have a threesome. We could, you know, go into this shit together. This is fun. And that's just, I don't think that that shit lasts. I really don't think that shit lasts, especially if you go into a marriage with this monogamous mindset, this monogamous mindset. I don't think suddenly that changes into you suddenly being okay with your wife being with another woman consistently, at least. Maybe it's a one-time thing. Y'all, you know, y'all are both in cahoots and y'all do this, you know, threesome once in a while. But ultimately, I think shit hits the fan. And I think it goes both ways, you know, whether it's a bisexual man or bisexual woman, I think shit hits the fan if both parties were not introduced to this from the beginning and if both parties ultimately not ultimately but like if both parties came into came into this situation with a monogamous with a monogamous mindset so yeah there's no room for that for me not for me um i want to say that as well that you know we live in a world where we have to be accepting of everything but if it's not 
PC if it's not um if it's not of of an inclusive mindset, then it's not okay. And this brings me to the new person who is seemingly to fit in the position of Ruth Bader Ginsburg's position in the Supreme Court. Excuse me. And her name is Amy Coney Barrett, ACB. And there's this complete push against her from the left because anything that Trump nominates, anything that Trump advocates for is like, I hate it. I let's talk about all the reasons why this is wrong. And I hate that. I hate that. Unfortunately, Trump's previous actions or just his being, his character gets in the way of us looking at his decisions objectively. And Amy Cole, Amy, Barrett, what is it? Amy Coney Barrett is an example of that for me. I feel like people are so quick to dismiss her and use things against her to explain why they don't support her. So she is someone who is, uh, what is it? Like a, she's a religious person. She's a faith-based person and she wants to, okay, so let me give some context on her. So she's a she's a mother, she's a wife, she's a mother of seven children. And just recently we found out that she is um she has two children who she adopted from Haiti. So, so shout out to Haiti. I'm Haitian, so that's that's cool. You know, bring these children to uh, a prosperous life. That's great. And I hope they are loved and treated respectfully and lovingly. Uh, but apparently pol- politicians do this shit. They they uh av- they adopt children from foreign or, you know, impoverished countries. And it just looks good on their, on their feed. It looks good to say, I adopted this child. I rescued this child from her, her tin shaped home, you know, like it looks good. It looks good. So I'm hoping that it's more than a look for her. (laughs) Who knows? I don't know how long she's had these kids, adopted into her family. I don't know. And she also has a kid who has Down syndrome. And they made it a point, I don't know who said it, but it's now more in the news. And they're making it a point to say that. She Look at her. She's a great mother. She adopted two kids from Haiti and she has a kid with Down syndrome. So? <laughs> like, who cares? But okay, cool. So she has these two, she has, uh, you know, seven kids. And she is this uh, she goes to a church or this organization. She's a part of it. And it's called People of Praise, and the the name of that already rubs people the wrong way. And I just think that right there is still is just foolish because we have to understand that a lot of churches they have particular names to grab attention. You know, they they want you to be excited of the name that they come up with for their ministry. So I just think that's unfair. And okay, so this this organization that she's a part of, apparently they are um they have advisors for their female congregants. And these advisors help them or make the decision for them to, whether it's for the home buying process or for marriage, for just 
anything, they have advisors and they are actually called handmaids <laughs> in the organization. And I just felt like, look, okay, I know it sounds a little weird. And okay, fine. I don't watch The Handmaid's Tale. I'm not familiar with the specific storyline, but I've heard enough about it to know what it's about and is how a lot of it's how how the women in that in that show are oppressed and they're trying to give that same moniker for people of praise. And I think that's unfair. I think it's unfair to judge, you know, oftentimes we're saying, oh, church and and state should be separate. Church and state should be separate. But are you separating it though? Like, why are you quick to put her faith and her choice of ministry to, to use against her? Why are you doing that? Okay. You're not into whatever people of praise is about, but that doesn't mean that you have to use that against her. Like, that's just your choice. Just like we don't like when the Republican Party is pushing against abortion, just don't have an abortion if you're not for an abortion, right? It's the same thing with people on the left. Like, if you're not for people who are religious, then you just don't be religious. Like, you don't, like, you don't have to have people at the top or in the Supreme Court who is just like you in every capacity. That's not fair. And who's to say that, okay, she's religious, but immediately people from the left will say, you know, if you're religious, then you are, um, you hate the gays and you hate the LGBTQ community and you hate abortion. And look, many of these things could be true. Maybe she does hate them. <laughs> Fuck, I don't know. But the point is, we can't be so immediate to subscribe her to that uh, description because that's generalizing. There are many Christians who are accepting of LGBTQ folks. There are many Christians who are understanding of those who seek an abortion. There are Christians who are open-minded and liberal in their thoughts. So it's un it's just unfair. And I think we need to move past that. You know, we're so quick to say separate church and state, but when we use someone's religion as an excuse to not vote for them anymore, to not support them, it's just foolish. And I think we need to do better. And it doesn't really it's just an easy, it's another scapegoat. Like, stop using God for the reason here. No, stop using your, your bias against Trump for a reason why you don't like this person. Cool, she's religious. So what does that mean? Like, that has nothing to do with anything. I just, we need to stop doing that. And I'm so sick of seeing these, these posts on Instagram talking about, here's why Amy Cornette, Amy Connie Barrett is the wrong choice for the Supreme Court. And it's like, at, the, at this point, what the fuck can we really do? <laughs> like, can we just accept it that we are civilians living in a world where we have little choice? We do, we do, I'm sorry. We're not supposed to say that, right? We're supposed to say your vote, your vote matters. Your vote counts. Does it? Like, <laughs> can we, I'm not here to tell you or preach to you on, on voting. I know it's the PC thing to do. You know, your ancestors fought for this. I get it. You fought for it. But when you're living in a world where 
your options are both whack. Like Biden has a history of uh, admitting and signing off bills that incarcerated many, many African-Americans. Okay. Trump is a racist. He has, he, he uses racist rhetoric to gain the hearts of white people, white marginalized. There are white marginalized people out there, but there's, these two people are the options that we have. So I understand when someone is so, is so defeated in that, and they just feel like, you know what, I don't want to exercise my right to vote here. I don't. And Local voting is actually where your power shows, is actually where the change happens. So I'm an advocate for local voting. And I'm not saying this as if I'm not going to vote. I, I I am going to vote. But I just, I'm not going to be preachy to y'all and say, make sure you vote if you're not, like, stop. Can we, can we stop? Can we stop? Oh, you're an activist now? Stop. Just stop. Just can we can we just stop things? Like it's just I'm just tired of this energy that people are giving, you know, this you know, this happens every four years, and it, I just don't feel like this matters. Yes, it matters, but I don't feel like it matters. Like, you know, Trump is saying how I that that he won't leave the White House peacefully. He's not in support of peacefully leaving the White House if he is voted out. And people are really believing that. Like, really? Y'all think Trump is really not going to leave the House? Y'all think we, now that he's voted out from this White House, that there won't be security and law enforcement put in place to escort him out if he does act a damn fool and decides to stay in the House like, stop. Like, we're not, this is not gonna, he's gonna leave, y'all. Like, this nightmare, quote-unquote, will be over. And this whole, you know, Trump administration is the reason why we are in this blah, blah, blah. Honestly, thank God. Obviously, this didn't happen under Obama's administration. But ultimately, I don't think this is due to Trump's administration, this pandemic. I don't think so. And I know we like to say, well, is because Trump didn't, he completely dismantled the the task force, the security or the health task force that Obama put in place. And if they were still in place and this would have, do we, like, do we know anything? Like, do we, like, is anything really real anymore? Like, who knows? Like, I, I don't know that to be true. If a virus was gonna be on, his, on, on its way here, it would have been on its way here, period. It just so happened to be under Trump's administration. And honestly, seeing how the left is, shit could have been planned. It could have been planned to make Trump less desirable and to make people believe that under Trump's administration, this happened in his watch. When I don't, I just want people to start questioning. Just start questioning more. Stop accepting things to face value. Start questioning your upbringing. Start questioning the people you hang around with. Stop questioning what you see on TV, what's consistently shown to you in programming. It's like, and it's not to make you scary of the world that we live in. I just want you to question. Use your critical thinking skills. Be smart. We all have them. Like we all are able to critically think. It's just. Some people choose not to. Some people just like to be fed. 
I'm going to sit back and be fed. Where's that bottle? Even though I'm a grown woman, I'm a grown man. Feed me. No more. We need to do better. We need to actually think for ourselves, make our own decisions, realize that we are just living in this world and we're doing the best that we can. (laughs) So plot twist. (laughs) You know, um, okay, what time we got? It's one hour and four minutes. I want to quickly talk about something that has been eating at me. And first, I want to say I've I've had my first therapy session via online. Um, I've had therapy sessions before, uh, like, but it didn't last long. I've had two, I remember two sessions with someone um, many years ago. It was just only two I had with her. And then before her, I had one session with someone who I uh, was given a resource to when I was an undergrad. So ultimately, I had three sessions in total with the therapist. Um, But now I decided to go back because I, as much as I am curious about uh, growing more and I've have used my own resources. I have, um, listened to different podcasts, watched different YouTube videos, um, just come across different learning strategies to get better on this skill. Like I'm very self-aware of myself. I'm very aware of my flaws, very aware of how I think and how detrimental I could be sometimes to myself. Uh, but I, I know that it's always encouraged to get someone who is certified, who is licensed, who can give you a non an unbiased perspective that is professional and that is clear. So I finally went through with the whole therapist thing. And, you know, I've been trying to find one and I just couldn't find one. There was just I came across people who just wasn't available. And finally, I came across this person who was available. It was was um available through a resource through my through my job. So praise be to God for that. So yeah, so one of the things that I want to work through and overcome is this perpetual state of loneliness that I feel within myself. And when I'm with other people, I still feel that loneliness. I still feel like I don't fit in as if I need to fit. I feel like I need to fit in. That's what it is. Actually. That's, that's what the problem is. I feel like I need to fit in and I feel like I don't. And I feel like I don't fit with the aesthetic of the group. You know, maybe I'm not pretty enough. Maybe I'm not stylish enough. Maybe I'm not light enough. And all these things come through me and it just, it it eats at me. So I remember I was feeling super low a couple of months ago when I was home in Boston after um, receiving the news of, of, of my cousin who passed away, um, Joe, RIP, I I was feeling super overwhelmed and I was feeling super emotional about her loss and what it meant for me. You know, ultimately when we grieve, it is selfish, right? And I don't want to say that in a negative way, but it is somewhat selfish because when we grieve, it is it is us grieving the loss of that relationship that we had with that we had with that person. Yes, I'm sad because her aunt, well my aunt, her mom no longer has her daughter here. Yes, I'm sad because her friends no longer have 
Joe here, you know? So I think about it in other people's perspectives too. Um, but ultimately when we think about grieving someone, we grieve the loss of that person and their placement that they had in your life. And when I think about Joe, oh, and I won't get emotional, but I think about how much she meant to me. She was someone who just understood me. I didn't have to explain myself. I didn't have to uh, give a disclaimer of who I am. She just got me and we got each other. We were kindred spirits for each other. We had the same humor and we just had the same love for, for certain things. And just on a personal level, like I was able to talk to her about anything. She was just so understanding and non-judgmental and um, just heard me. Like she heard me. She listened to me. You know, when you're talking to people and they're just not present with you, they look around they're They don't get what you're saying. They just say, Oh, okay. Wow. That's crazy. That's, that wasn't Joe. That wasn't Joe for me. And Joe was that person for me who just got me. So, and I don't often come across people who get me, you know, I have people in my life who, you know, are family who I known since I was born, um, and I have friends who I've had for years who I grew up with from church, but there's only a level that we've reached with each other that just hasn't been passed. <laughs> uh, and I think about how I don't have that relationship with anybody else. I don't. And I was feeling so overwhelmed with emotion, thinking about Joe and grieving that loss of relationship in my life. Like, damn, I don't have anyone else like Joe. <laughs> I don't have anyone else who understands me the way she does. I don't have anyone else who just just got it, you know? So I was feeling that loneliness heavy at that time. And um, I just happened to, God is so funny, you know, so funny because I was just, I was feeling it so heavy. I was, I remember being in the kitchen at my home home in Boston. And my mom was downstairs. My dad was downstairs. And I didn't want them to see me break down like this. And yes, you know, Joanna passed at that point, passed away like two weeks before. And so or maybe a couple of weeks before, because I was home for a couple of months. Um, but I still did. I, did, I didn't want to break down the way I was breaking down. And I felt myself breaking down. I felt my eyes getting watery. I felt my throat getting clogged up. Like it's kind of getting clogged up now, but I felt all of that. And I was, I, I was in the kitchen with my mom. I'm like, oh my gosh, I had to go up to, I had to go to my room. I got to go upstairs. I got to go to my room. So I go upstairs. I finally go upstairs. I go to my room and I'm just like breathing heavy. I'm hardly, I, I can't hardly breathe. I can't hardly catch my breath. I'm hyperventilating. I'm crying. I'm trying to keep it down. I'm trying to just ooze myself because I don't like, you know, when people, when you cry in front of people, people are quick to say, don't cry. Don't cry. Why are you crying? I hate that. No, I need to cry. I need to let it out. So instead what I practice is breathe. I say to myself, breathe, mama, breathe. Okay. It's okay. Let's breathe. Let's breathe through it. So I, I talk to myself third person and I, I honor my my tears because we need to honor our sadness. It is a part of our human experience. You know, we don't only feel happy and strong. Sometimes we feel weak. Sometimes we feel worn out. Sometimes we feel sad as fuck. And that's how I was feeling. So as I was 
hyperventilating, trying to catch my breath, crying at the same time. I'm telling myself to breathe, mama. It's all right. It's okay. Everything will be okay. And I was remembering, oh, I was remembering also how I remember I had a whole anxiety attack and I was in Houston. I was at work actually. <laughs> and I, I called Joanna. I called Joanna, the, my cousin who passed. Um, I called her at that time and I was like, I don't know. Like I was stressed about finances. That's a whole that's a whole other conversation that we'll have another time. I have such anxiety when it comes to finances. And I was calling her because I I um was fearing about where I could get not get the money, but where I how can I put money on this expense that just came about and still pay my rent on time. Like I would just think about all these other things that I had a financial responsibility towards. And when I suddenly was hit with this expense to to um replace my tires, I had to replace two of my tires and it was about 400 or 500 a pop. And I was just like so overwhelmed with that. And I was just feeling like, I I don't know what to do. Oh my gosh, oh my gosh, I'm a failure. I can't do this. Like I'm gonna lose my apartment. I'm gonna lose this, I'm gonna lose that. And I would say all these things to Joanna. And I remember she said to me, first she heard me. Because, you know, people are, sometimes when you cry to the wrong person, they're quick to say, oh, God, I miss her. Damn. Oh. But when you cry to the wrong person, they, they're they the wrong person to cry to when they say, why are you crying? calm down girl you're forcing it okay you okay like <laughs> when they react like that it's like damn I'm first I'm gonna cry again because I, I cried to you and you wasn't the right person to cry to you know that's the worst so you gotta know who you cry to who do y'all cry to does a person you cry to affirm you or do they discourage you and make you feel stupid because <laughs> lord of mercy that's exactly how some people are but Joanna's not like that um well, she wasn't like that. And so when I was crying to her, um, she heard me. She was like breathing on the phone with me. And she's like, okay, just breathe. And she said, everything will be okay. Everything will be okay. That's literally what she said. And her saying that, I just felt calm. Like I felt this calmness come over me. Like, oh, wow, wait, everything will be okay. You know, everything will be fine. I'll be fine. Everything will work itself out. I just, you know, as easy of a response that is, you know, people could say that so quickly, but sometimes you don't remember the the trueness in that. Like, everything is okay. Everything will be okay. Everything will be fine. God work things out. But it didn't feel preachy. You know, you know how sometimes we say, Oh, you know, God always supplies your needs. And there's a Bible verse about that. Like, don't be anxious about anything. And all that is true. And I receive that. But sometimes when people say that, it just comes off so dismissive, like as if I'm just not able or as if I'm not supposed to feel these natural human feelings. Like, I am anxious right now. Honor that. Recognize that. It's not to say that you need to encourage more anxiety from me. No, but it's to reckon, just recognize that. And Joanna recognized that she was, she told me to breathe because <laughs> I wasn't breathing. I was hyperventilating as I do when I get so caught up in my emotion. And 
she recognized that and then she just gave me with the the reality of boom everything will be okay and to top it off not only did she say that she offered help she she didn't offer she just said how much do you need and that right there i'm just like wait what and mind you i was not calling her for assistance i was just calling her to calm down i i just wanted to hear words outside of my own so i could calm down and be be ready to teach my next class because again i was at work it was right before i taught my class and i had 30 minutes left so i need your word to help calm me down and that was literally all it was i was not asking for any money i was not asking for anything i just wanted her to calm me down and she calmed me down and and then some by by offering her financial support so that was amazing so anyway i was thinking about all of that and you know when i was at home a couple of months ago i was feeling the loss of that like wow this person who understood me who supported me who got me it's not here she's not here anymore and you know i try to hold on to the lessons that i've learned when she was here the experiences that we had and the gratitude that I have for that, like all of that is amazing. Like, you know, practicing gratitude while I was grieving and still now is um is an amazing tool to have and to practice. But you know, it still sucks when that person is just, oh, this person's Joe's really not here anymore. Like that's that's really it. Um so I came across, I, I told myself, okay, I need to find something to listen to. I need to listen to a podcast. I need to get, not get my mind off of it, but I need something to speak to me in this moment about what I'm feeling. Because in that moment, I was just feeling this, this extreme amount of loneliness. So I'm Googling podcasts. I don't know. I, and I went on SoundCloud, actually. I don't know why I went on SoundCloud. I really, I honestly can't remember how it happened, but it happened so divinely that God knew what he was doing. So I heard of this podcast called Therapy for Black Girls. And there's this on in SoundCloud on the right hand side, you could um see episodes and the title of those episodes. And there was an episode titled From Therapy with Black Girls. Um, let me just find it real quick. Cause I actually I downloaded that episode and saved it. So what I mean by that is on Apple Podcasts, when you save an episode, when you download an episode, you can listen to it um, when you're not connected to Wi-Fi. So you could easily listen to it and have no issues with that. So anyway, so this episode, this is a shout out to anyone who wants to just some some therapy on that because it, it literally saved me in that moment. So the podcast, again, is called Therapy for Black Girls, the podcast. And the episode is episode 156 titled Managing Loneliness. And it's only about 30, 35 minutes, no longer than that. And literally from the first minute to the last, everything that she said was me, is me. Everything that she said, I needed to hear. Um... I wrote a couple of notes down and I was just getting a better understanding of why or how I operate my loneliness and how I feel so 
like I don't fit in, like I feel like a misfit. And basically, also, I'm just going to read my notes. So Managing Loneliness is the title of the episode from Therapy for Black Girls. And feeling lonely stems from a social threat. And, I, and you think, like, when I came across that, that term, I'm like, wait, what? A threat? I don't feel like I'm going to get beat up. I don't feel like I'm going to get brutalized, harmed, killed. Like, it's not like that type of threat. But it's specifically, so social threat is specific to a need to retreat from people in fear of rejection and misunderstanding. And that hit me because I realized that's what it is. I fear so much so being rejected, being misunderstood, being disregarded and this and being discarded that I I just I stay in this space of loneliness. It is more and sometimes it's physical because I choose to be with myself. I love my alone time. And sometimes it's a mental thing when I am out with people and it feels like I don't get it. So so feeling lonely stems from a social threat. Lonely people are likely to assume others are criticizing and judging them. They have a strong desire to connect with people, mm-hmm, yet still feel a social threat due to fear of rejection. That fear baby is heavy. And this is just literally everything that they, that she says. If anyone is battling with loneliness, especially the way that I do, take a listen to this podcast. I just, I need y'all to understand that you're not alone and it's not in your head. I mean, it is in your head, like it's in my head, but it's something that you could work through. You could figure it out. You could move past this mindset. So, and you could have an understanding of it. You could have a contextualized understanding of it. So when she was breaking it down, it was a whole, it was a doctor who was a guest on the podcast and she was breaking this all down so beautifully, so clearly, amazing, okay? So she's like, yeah, lonely people are likely to assume others are criticizing and ju- judging them. And that's how I feel completely. I feel like if I'm with a group of people, oh my gosh, did I say the right thing? Um, oh, was this joke too inappropriate? Because I'm so quick with my humor. Like I love comedy so much and I feel like, oh my gosh, is this, too silly for the other person, you know, um, I, and I want so badly to connect with people. And I feel like when the other person is not showing that same effort in return, I feel that immense fear of rejection or experience of rejection in that moment. Cause I feel like, okay, you're rejecting me. You don't want to be my friend. You don't want to get to know me because, I'm not worthy enough for you to get to know. And this just continues to um, regurgitate the experiences I've had when I was younger. And it just stems like your childhood really fucks you up, huh? And it sucks because you get older, you know, so many years ago, yet you still remember how you felt when you was in seventh grade. You still remember how you felt when you were bullied, when girl, like I remember being in seventh grade and being bullied and all the girls in my class just decided to just not fuck with me anymore. And they just ignored me. They would like trip me. <laughs> they would 
throw things at me, like little, you know how you roll up paper, like the, the side of a paper from a, from the notebook, they would roll it and throw it at me. And I'll turn around like, like something's just like, they will gaslight you and make you feel like before gaslighting was a thing, they will make you go crazy thinking like, what are you talking about? No one's throwing anything at you. And then someone actually was. And it was a lot of things that I experienced that stemmed my fear of rejection and my fear of uh, just not being accepted. So there's this lonely brain that lonely people have. And the lonely brain would assume that nobody likes you, that nobody wants to uh, fuck with you, and that no one wants to hear from you, pretty much. So it continues this this um, experience that you had when you were younger. And although, yes, that was an experience when you were younger, it doesn't mean that it's an experience currently. And I have a habit of conflating my past experiences with my current adult experiences. And yes, there are shitty, like, you know, I had an episode called I'm Rich Bitch. Check that out. When I talk about my fallout with a friend of mine who I thought it was a friend of mine, but who was orchestrating and okay with bullying me on the trip that we were on in Miami and how it triggered my experiences when I was younger and how I was isolated and how I was looked at as just a pariah and being on that trip and experiencing that in my adult age just re-traumatized me honestly it was it's traumatic it's fucking traumatic and I know we like to use that word so cavalier nowadays but some shit are still some shit is still traumatic some shit is still heartbreaking to go through and you just gotta move on like oh just move on just like no I still I still remember those feelings and I feel like a part of me feels bad in a way to dismiss those feelings because I feel like I'm just dismissing my younger self like as if those feelings don't matter I don't know it's weird so anyway so I have a therapy to talk I have a therapist to talk to about these things with but okay let me go into the lonely brain because it's a whole mindset so it assumes that no one likes you it festers on past memories literally me that triggered loneliness yep assuming no one wants to hear from me And what I must do at this age in today is do a mind trick with myself, is to literally restructure my way of thinking by speaking against those thoughts of those thoughts of feeling like nobody wants to fuck with you. You're not really invited. Why are you here? You don't fit in with us. Like all these things will come over my head, come in my head, let's roll around my head while I'm out with folks and I will just feel this immense uh, feeling of loneliness. So speaking against those things, um, creating natural. Okay. So this, another thing. So people who suffer from this, like myself um, to others, I may come off standoffish. I may come off like a mean girl, like a closed, like a bitch in a way, because I am not as open, I retreat, and I 
you know, say a few things. Like I, I don't come off open. And I, I, I was trying to think about like, hmm, do I do that? I mean, sometimes I could do that maybe um, because I'm just mostly in my head. I tried my best to smile. Like I do smile. I greet people, but I'm not quick to be like, hey, God. like I'm not like that until I feel comfortable with you. So like, I have to feel that level of comfort with you for me to behave that way. So with, um, but that's just my form of protecting myself from getting hurt. So all these things stem from fear. Uh, there's an egocentric bias that people like me have, um, being that I'm so wrapped up in my own pain and my own thinking and that I fail to see that other people are, are going through their own painful experiences. And it's not just me who has my own shit going on. So there's this egocentric bias that I could, okay, I could see how that um, plays a part in my life sometimes in different relationships. And um, it's just funny because I will have this desperate need to reach out to people and connect, but I fear doing that because I have somewhat of this irrational feeling and mindset of nobody wants to hear from me. Well, if she really wanted to hear from me, then how come she didn't hit me up? And I feel like all that is still true because I still feel like, you know, a relationship is two-sided. You know, it's, two, it's a two-way street. If you want to hear from me, if you want to be the friend that is communicative, that is um, present, then you also have to show your cards too. It shouldn't just be one-sided. So I still feel like, you know, <laughs> you could hit me up too. Um, but yeah, so all of these things that I am aware of within myself and I am grateful that I finally found a therapist who I can have these conversations with and move forward with this because I don't want to stay stuck in this mindset for long, you know? So that's where I'm at. I have a session with her this week. I, my session with her last time was two weeks ago. So one, yeah, two weeks ago. And that went well. It was online, telehealth. So that's, um, you know, the new normal for now. But eventually I am looking forward to seeing her in person. And it's funny because the first, and I'm just, like I said, okay, good. I, I just killed another fruit fly. <laughs> but um, I am very aware of myself. And I know that sometimes my thoughts could be the detriment of how I go about relationships. So I came to her with a whole list, like, here's what it is I need to work on. <laughs> what are we doing? <laughs> Hello. So uh, that's good. So I remember, yeah, the first session that we had, I definitely cried. <laughs> I was like, yep. That's uh, because I was telling her briefly. Well, I gave her the list. I was like, yeah, this is the list of things I want to work on that I'm aware of that are my shortcomings. And she was saying how, you know, where where in your life or when in your life did you feel misunderstood? And I was like, oh, well, I remember when I was younger and my mother said this and my dad said like, <laughs> so I was easy. I could point it out. And I think that, that was the reason for my resistance to getting a therapist. Because it's like, I know these things. Like, I know my shit. You know how you just know your shit? I know my shit. Uh, but there's, I, I'm, I'm hoping this, I, I'm, I believe that this experience will, this experience with my therapist will bring me to a better understanding and a better way of managing and 
moving forward with myself and I will be I will be shown and be held accountable to hopefully um, different practices that I need to incorporate more to move forward from these limited thoughts. Uh, so yeah. And that's why, I, that's why I love podcasts so much. Cause you learn different things from different people and their experiences. I was into an episode of the Joe Rogan experience and there's this woman named Bridget Feetsy. I think that's the last name. She's a, she's a comedian. He has all different types of guests on his show, which I love. Like you can listen to people from different backgrounds, all sharing their story or just sharing their thoughts on whatever it is that we're talking about in this episode. Like it's just, it's just a flowing podcast. It's so dope. Um, and it's a long forum, <laughs> like three hours. Like, and I'm listening to every bit. Uh, this, this woman, her name is Bridget Feetsy, and she was telling like, talking about her hypochondria, which I sometimes suffer from, which is another thing. Uh, and she was saying how she suffers from it or suffered from it and she worked through it because she first, yeah, wanted to, and she worked through it because, well, by, um, going to therapy and incorporating different practices. And she was talking about how she needed to retrain her thinking and it's literally these conscious steps and, uh, going, incorporating more practices to think more, to, to think differently, to think positively. She was saying how she needs to work out every day and not no like heavy shit. It was just like, I need to work out, like go out with my body, take a walk, do a 30 minute thing, exercise routine, uh, just be outside with nature, like incorporate things that bring her peace to further just walk in that peace. And I just, everything that she was saying, oh my gosh, listen to that podcast too. But I think I might just listen back to it because that part, I listened, I watched that video so intently like, whoa, this is it. Like, I'm so happy I come across someone else who has gone through some of the things that I go through sometimes. And it shows that she has moved forward from that. So that gave me hope. And I'm just, I'm excited. I'm excited for the journey that I'm on and the growth that I am continually embarking upon. I'm grateful that this is, this is happening. So yeah, definitely check out that podcast, the Black uh, Girls Therapy. What is it called? Yeah. Th no, Therapy for Black Girls. Um, episode titled 156, Managing Loneliness. So whew, if anyone else struggles with that, please let me know how you go about it. Um, how do you work through it? Because ultimately what it is with anything that you go through is really a, a, a warfare, a spiritual warfare, really. Um, but it's, it's a mental thing. You have to just talk yourself out of things. You have to convince yourself, no, 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 this is not my reality anymore. No, 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 I'm not in seventh grade anymore. No, I'm not that, that um, unprotected child anymore. Like I am now an adult and I can look out for that young self of me um, by by being the fullness of who I am and by experiencing full experiences with people without the fear of rejection, without the fear of abandonment, et cetera. So 
you know, I'm on this journey with you all. Let me know how you are on this journey. And I just appreciate everyone for listening and just continuing to support this podcast. Please support by subscribing. And if you are interested in visual episodes and more content, please subscribe to our Patreon at patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com slash God built this. The link is in my Instagram bio. So please check that out. Um, both Instagram bios, God built this pod and my personal page, Hema Moore. So thank you again for listening. I appreciate everyone for just continuing to just reach out to me and giving me their feedback on whatever I was rambling about. Because I've been talking about many different things. So thank you for just staying tuned. I'm out and I will check in with y'all next time. Peace. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of God Built This Podcast with your host, Maxine. Be sure to leave a review, give me five stars, and of course, subscribe. Also, follow God Built This Podcast on Instagram at God Built This Pod. God bless.